Hello, and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We trust that this will be a great encouragement to you and build your faith. Enjoy today's message. So, this morning, Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 21, we'll go through that passage this morning. But Paul opens up and he says, so, he, Paul goes, when I think of all this, and, and I wanted to recap what is all of this that Paul is talking about. So I wanted to just hit on Pastor Duel, a little bit of Pastor Duel's passage from last week, um, Ephesians 3, 7 through 13. It says this, Paul says this. He goes, by God's grace and mighty power, I've been given the privilege of serving him by spreading this good news. Paul says, it's a privilege to do ministry. It's a privilege to do the work of Jesus. It's a privilege to be in the ministry. It is an honor that I get to serve. That's what he said. That's his heart. He goes, though I am the least deserving of all God's people, he graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasures available to them in Christ. You know, these first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul's told us so much about what happens when we step into relationship with Jesus. Just, just a couple of things. Chapter one tells us we receive every spiritual blessing, not just some, not just a couple. In, in the heavenly realm, in this, in this realm that we can't see, but we are directly affected by, we've received every spiritual blessing. You know what, what Ephesians tells us? We were dead, but he made us alive in Christ. We were spiritually dead, but we've got new life in Christ, right? We're the handiwork of God created in Christ Jesus to do good things. Like he loves us, he adopted us, he chose us, he, he, he wrote our story, he has a plan for us. We don't understand how much Christ loves us. And Paul's trying to jam that into our heads and our hearts. He's trying to hammer it in there. Don't you understand what this means to be united with Jesus now? We've received endless treasure available to us. Verse nine, he goes, I was chosen to explain to everyone the mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, had kept secret from the beginning. So Paul said, God revealed this secret to me. God's kept this secret, but he, but he revealed it to me. And I can't wait to tell you guys. Here's what he says. Verse 10, God's purpose in all this was to use the church, was to use you, to use me, to use the church, right? To display his wisdom in its rich variety to all the unsee rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. So angels and demons, God's using his church to show off. That's what he's saying. I want to show everybody. I want to display who I am, but I'm going to use you guys. He's, he's going to use us to display that glory to display his wisdom. Come on, are you grateful that God uses us in the story, that God uses us in his plan? Verse 11, this was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus, our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my trials here. I'm suffering for you. So you should feel honored. You know, as you look at the book of Ephesians, it's, it's interesting because chapters 1, 2, and 3, they say that the end of 3, what we'll get to today, is sort of the climax of Ephesians. And it's like Paul takes the first three chapters to help us understand all that God's done for us, all that it means to be in Jesus, all we receive in Jesus. It's like, it's just so deep. It's so incredible. And, and then what's interesting is after that, uh, chapters four, five, and six, it's all like practical godly living. Like here's how you honor God. But I think the reason he, he, he spent the first three chapters telling us about God's love is because before he ever mentions the rules, he wants us to know about the relationship, right? This, this is just, this is a response. 
This isn't the have to, this is the get to. Chapters four, five, so here's what that means. Now that you're full of Christ, now that you're full of the Holy Spirit, here's what your life's gonna look like. Here's the way we're gonna live. Here's the way we're gonna build the kingdom, right? I mean, it's exciting. At that point, it's like, yeah, I'm on team Jesus. Let's go, I'm ready to do whatever you want me to do. But before we wanted us to understand why, why, that, why we would even consider being team Jesus, right? So here we go. So I'm going to close out Ephesians chapter three. Next week, we'll jump into Ephesians chapter four. Y'all ready? I'll read the entirety of our passage for this morning. It's verses 14 through 21. I'll close out chapter three. I'll read it in full. We'll pray and then I'll, I'll unpack it verse by verse. That sound okay? All right, let's read. Verse 14, Paul's writing. He goes, when I think of all this, all of what Christ has done, everything we just talked about, when I think of all this, He says, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything on heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner, someone say inner, with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow deep down into God's love and keep you strong. And and may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love really is. Verse 19, may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to understand. I love this. It's like, Paul's like, I want you to understand the love, but you can't understand the love. It's like this paradox. You know, he's like, you you can't understand how vast his love is, but my prayer is that you do. I hope that you grab hold. You can't, but I hope that you do because it'll transform everything. Then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There's something about being rooted in his love that leads to fullness of life and power. There's something about his love that energizes our entire being, right? And then he closes out the chapter. We all love Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us. Someone say within. Within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. After men's ministry this week, I, me and Pastor Ryan, we hung out a little bit and we just chatted. And I told him, man, I cannot wait to preach Sunday. Like I've been fired up to preach this all week. So I'm going to pray and then we'll jump into it. Jesus, we, we invite you into this moment. God, I pray that right now through the power of your spirit, you would open our hearts to receive the seed of your word. I pray that it would take root in our heart. It would grow to produce fruit in our lives. Father, we don't want to just hear your word. We want to be doers. We want to be believers of action. God, I, I pray that you would, awake, you would allow this word to transform us into the image of your son, Jesus. We, we want this world, when they interact with us, to see you in us, to see you through our thoughts, words, and actions. So, Father, allow this word to transform us right here in your holy and mighty name. We all said, amen. Anyone in the room, you ever had a moment or an encounter with God, or, or maybe a couple of them, where you're like, when I look back and I think on the fact, have I ever had a moment with God? Has he ever revealed himself to me? Like, I remember that moment. He met me right there. Anyone ever had that moment? Listen, as I look in the scriptures, it says, if you seek me, you will find me. Knock and the door will be open to you. You will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And I just felt like I needed to tell y'all, maybe you're sitting there in your seat and you've kind of been balancing on that faith of do, on that fence.
sense of do I believe, do I not believe? Listen, God is real. He's ready to encounter you. He wants to encounter you, but he's told me in his words, seek me. And I think maybe I just need to tell somebody that moment's waiting for you. Come on, just seek God. Just knock on the door. Knock once. He doesn't answer. Keep knocking. Keep knocking. I believe God wants to reveal himself to you in a powerful way. So seek God with everything you got. But I, I remember, as I reflect on my life, I feel I've had a couple of these moments where God's done so much. He's been so good. But there are some, some special moments where I feel like I, I encountered him in a special, in a unique way. And, and as I read this first little chapter in Ephesians 3, verse 14, I was reminded of this time where uh, it was a few years back. I had just started ministry, and most of you have known my story. I've shared bits and pieces, but I just ran from ministry for so long, man. I was a heathen of a teenager and just needed Jesus, and I didn't think that he, I could be used for the kingdom, and he couldn't do it through me, and I had already ruined everything. And, you know, and, I, and I had revival take place in my heart. Like The Lord did a work in me. And all of a sudden, here I am, I find myself stepping in the promise that he whispered to my heart as a 15-year-old kid. Here I was leading 25 kids passionately. Couldn't believe he was using me to do it. Was grateful, overwhelmed, like excited, doesn't even explain. Grateful, it's just not a powerful enough word for, I was like bursting with joy, like bursting with purpose. Like, this is what I wanted to do in my whole life. I can't believe that he gets to use me and I get to, I'm at this little church with, with, with 25 kids and I just loved, loved, loved these kids. I knew their stories. I knew their battles. I knew their fears. I knew their insecurities. I knew their sins. I would make them pray when they didn't want to pray. I'm like, y'all are going to love Jesus and I love Jesus and I know Jesus loves you and I want you to be awakened to God. Like it was just, ah, bursting. I just love these kids. And I love y'all that same way, but there's too many of you to be crazy like that. No, I'm just. So that after, this, after this message, you know, uh, every week we'd invite Hillsong to come play for us, Elevation Worship. You know, we had all of them through a speaker, not live. And, you know. It was powerful. You know, we didn't really have a band. We just like had, had a room. So we, we turned on, you know, it was response time. I just finished preaching and I'm just playing a worship song. And I just feel led by, by the spirit, you know, like I just can, can feel God kind of guiding me through the room, leading me to each kid, just, just praying over each kid, just wanting them to love Jesus, but wanting them to know that I love them and it's Christ's love at work within me. And, you know, I'm, I'm knowing their backgrounds and their situations. I, I know that mom always has different guys at home and, and, and the house has been neglected and they're, and they're li practically living. I know that, like, I know this one's scared and insecure and doesn't have any friends and just wants some friends and community. And I can feel as God's leading me to these kids, just praying specifically. And I feel like the spirit is, you know, interceding and giving me the words to pray for each of them. And my heart is just over, overflowing for these kids. And I, I remember, I just, you know, I'm just bursting y'all. I can't express. I just, uh, it's like, God, you're good. You know, just this moment of, I don't know. And as I finished praying for the student, her name was Vanessa, I just sort of felt like the spirit just kind of rest upon me in a unique way. And it was almost like I was walking, but it was almost like I was being led to the altar. And 
although I'm, I'm pouring out on these kids, I'm, I'm giving them everything I got. I'm, I'm literally giving them every ounce of me. I, I, I got, you know, I'm dating Abigail at the time. I got to drive 30 minutes to hang out with her. And, you know, it's like that, that's taking a ton of time and a ton of effort. And, and then I'm, I'm a full-time student and I'm trying to do my schoolwork and do my homework. So my nights are slammed, but I'm trying to, you know, tend to my relationships. And then I'm working full-time, but it's a commission job. So I got to be at my job. And it's not like I can just go and sit and like, I won't make money if I don't sell. So I got to sell and I got to throw myself at that. And, and I find myself, I'm just, God, I'm, I'm, but I'm so great. And then I'm trying to youth pastor and I'm like, God, I'm so glad that you're using me in this. And you know, maybe you've been in this season where it's like, man, it's good. God, you're good. But I'm tired, tired. And it was almost like the Holy Spirit kind of led me to the altar. I remember I was carrying a water bottle and it was like, I released my water bottle. My water bottle dropped and I was brought to my knees at the altar, and I just remember the Lord so, so gently whispering to me, son, I'm pleased with you. Like, I was just exhausted, and it was just like, he was just like, let me get a moment, like, let me get a moment with you, and, and it was like, you know, and I don't say that arrogantly or boastful, it's just something tender the Lord did for me in a moment. He's like, I know you're tired, but I'm pleased with you. I was brought to my knees, and um, as I read this verse in Ephesians, I, I was reminded of that. There's something about being brought to our knees. You'll, you'll notice in Ephesians 3, verses 14 through 15, Paul writes this. He says, when I think of all this, as I fall to my knees, I fall to my knees, and I pray to my Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. Now, maybe some of us, we read this verse and nothing really sticks out. It's like, okay, Paul fell to his knees and he prayed and that's pretty common. Like everybody, you know, my kids, they get down beside their bed and they pray at night after we, you know, read the, the picture Bible book or whatever. Or, you know, at church, I see people on their knees and that's just something that we kind of do in, in church culture and in Christianity. But I want you guys to understand that to pray on your knees was not common at this time. I think this is why it's so interesting for all my Bible nerds in the room to know the history historical and cultural context. Because when Paul says, I got on my knees and prayed, it, that, that meant something. I think it's important to know that the way Jews, and remember, Paul was a Pharisee before he, he went on this mission to build the kingdom, started serving Jesus. So the way Jews prayed is standing. They would stand to pray and they would raise their hands. This is how they pray. You can see the videos now when you see little clips of Jerusalem and you, and you can see um, Jewish people at the Wailing Wall, right? And they're, and they're standing and they're, and they're rocking back and forth or they're, or they're standing and they're praying. This is why in Matthew 6, when Jesus is teaching the disciples how to pray, he says, don't stand on the street corner so you can be seen how righteous you are. Well, the reason if you were standing on the street corner praying, the reason it would be obvious you were praying is because this, this was the posture of prayer it would be obvious that you were praying because you're standing with your hands raised. So that's why in Matthew 6, he says, go into your bedroom, lock the door where no one can see you and pray to your father who's in secret. And then your father who sees you in private will, will reward you. So that, that was the normal way to pray. But Paul's saying, I fall to my knees. I fall to my knees and pray for you. And there's, there's something about this posture. It's a, it's a heart posture. There's a specific seriousness that this posture carries. It shows there's a specific expectancy in his heart. It's like 
like, God, I'm saying this prayer, but I really mean this one. Like, I really want you to show, I really want you to do this. It, it, it shows deep reverence for God and acknowledgement of who he is. So I want, I want to step out. So that was just the first two verses, verses of Ephesians. So I want to leave Ephesians 3 right here for a second. And I want to take a look back in the Old Testament. There's a character hundreds of years before Paul was born, before Paul wrote this letter. Um, there's a man named Solomon. Who's familiar with Solomon in the Old Testament? Okay, so Solomon was King David's son. So King David passes, and all of a sudden, Solomon's next up in line to be king. The key, he's a kid. He's 15 years old. <laughs> And now he's supposed to be king. Now, even though he was 15, he was hungry. He was passionate, had zeal, had fervor, loved the Lord. In fact, God asked Solomon uh, uh, almost immediately upon becoming king. It's like God says to Solomon, I will give you one thing. You can ask me for one thing, anything you want. What, what do you want, Solomon? And you got to think like when we think about 15-year-olds, what do you want? an Xbox, <laughs> one million, you know? Unlimited candy for life. I want to be the greatest athlete ever, you know? You think about like 15-year-old kid, a 15-year-old kid, and I love God asked Solomon, but maybe God gave Solomon even the option because he knew how Solomon would respond. It was an aligning of his will. You know what Solomon asked for? He goes, I need wisdom to lead these people because I don't feel equipped. God, give me wisdom. That's what he asked for. So Solomon, he, he prays for wisdom. Shortly after receiving wisdom, he gathers thousands. And what he starts to plan to do is build a temple. And, and in Jerusalem, he wants to build this temple where God's presence will dwell permanently. That's, that's what he wants. Like, because now Moses, as, as they mentioned through the wilderness, they had the tabernacle. The tabernacle is different than the temple. The tabernacle was set up in teardown or the tent of meeting. Are we familiar with the tent of meeting? So, so they'd be walking through the wilderness. They'd set up the tent of meeting. And this was Moses, the leader, the mediator for the people in the, for between God and the Jews. Moses would go in and he would, encounter God and God would speak to him and he would gain wisdom on, on how to lead the people. Then he'd come out and he'd shepherd his flock, but it was, they would set that tent up and then they tear it down. And Solomon's now saying, no, I want, I want to do something new. I want to build a temple where your presence will dwell. So he, he commissions thousands. I can't, I can't remember the specific number and they start building this temple, and it's elaborate, full of splendor, it's eloquent, it's lined with gold on the inside, and they all have all types of symbolism and the things that they've decided to put into the temple, and they finally erect this incredible structure that's just massive and full of glory. And they gather the people of Israel in front of the temple as it's time to dedicate this temple to the Lord. That's what Solomon wants to do. So Solomon, he gets all the people of Israel gathered, and we'll read in this verse here, he builds this platform. Let's look at it, 2 Chronicles 6, verses 12 through 13. It says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in front of the entire community of Israel, and he lifted his hands in prayer, because that's how you pray. That's how Jews would pray. Now Solomon had made a bronze platform that was seven and a half feet long, seven and a half feet wide, so it's a perfect square, and it's four and a half feet high. And he had placed it 
at the center of the temple's courtyard. So you can see Solomon is in the middle and you think Solomon standing on this platform with his hands raised. You're like, Solomon, come on, get over yourself, bro. Like, why do you want everybody to look at you? It's all about you. You know, that's kind of what it, what it might appear like, but, but read this next. It says he stood on the platform and then he knelt in front of the entire community of Israel and lifted his hands towards heaven. The only time Jews would kneel is in the presence of their king. If they were in the presence of a king, so Solomon kneeling in front of all of Israel, really what he's saying is there's someone higher than me. There's a king higher than me. There's something greater than me, and he's worthy of all the praise. It's this posture, but I also believe that Solomon, the Lord hadn't yet, the Lord's glory in its full hadn't yet filled this temple. And Solomon, there's a certain specific seriousness. There's a reverence. He's bringing this prayer to the Lord saying, God, these aren't just words. I want to see you move. I want to see you do it. Now, here's what I find interesting. As, as we go to pick up Ephesians 3 again, just for a minute, as we look back in it, look at verses 16 through 19, and, and let's just look at what Paul prays. But before we do, as, as Solomon gets down, and as he's on his knees praying, what he's praying specifically, like it's a prayer that's longer than like 20 verses in Second Chronicles. He's praying, in essence, God, would you fill this temple? He's praying protection, God's provision over the Israel people. That, 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 but, but he's praying, God, fill this temple. God, fill this temple. We want your presence here. You're the, you're the king. Uh, we want you here. God, fill this temple. That's what he's praying. God, fill the temple. So now as we, as we pick up Ephesians 3 and we look at what Paul prayed, Paul, Paul hits his knees and then he prays this. Verse 16, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, God will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. On the inside, fill up your believers, God. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts on the inside right? We'll make his home in your hearts as you trust him and your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love is. God, Paul's praying, would you fill your people so full of your presence that your love overwhelms them. Let them grow roots into their love. I know they can't understand your love. I know it's too big to contain, but maybe it'll bubble up out of them and energize them to live a life that honors and glorifies you. This is what he's praying. I know your love is too big, too grand to understand. I know we can't, but, but maybe it'll overflow. Fill us so full it'll overflow that it will energize every part of our life. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then, then, once we understand it, once we're made aware to it, once we understand it, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. There's a direct correlation between being awakened to his love, being rooted in his love, and living a life full of power. It's his grace and his love that's energizing our life. And I love what happens. So, so set Ephesians back down for just a second. We're back in 2 Chronicles. Solomon finishes his prayer in chapter 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 7, we see what happens after Solomon prays on his knees. Check this out. Verses 1 through 3. 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 3. It says, when Solomon finished praying fire flashed down from heaven and burned up the burnt offerings and the sacrifices and the glorious presence of the Lord filled the temple. Say filled. 
the priests couldn't even enter the temple because the glorious presence of the Lord filled it. Say filled. They, they filled it. When all the people of Israel saw the fire coming down and the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, say filled, they fell down on their face on the ground and they worshiped and praised God saying, he's good. His faithful love endures forever. What they realized is his love. They had a new awakening of God's love. That's what they recognized. When, when he came down with fire flashed down and he filled them, it was, whoa, his love is great. His love is grand. And what I think is so interesting as I look at this, you know, Paul wasn't just an incredible leader, okay? Paul just wasn't, uh, he wasn't just a man on a mission. Paul is educated. Paul is bright and intellectual and he's smart, okay? He was a Pharisee. Paul actually says, if there's anyone who can brag about like performing to get in heaven, I'm the guy who can perform because I know more than anybody pretty much. Like I'm that dude. Now I'm not about that religious spirit anymore, but, but I pretty much got those scriptures internalized. So I can't help but think about as Paul's praying this prayer over Ephesians, I can't help but think, Paul, do you have Solomon, as you pray for the believers in Ephesus to be filled with your presence, to be filled with your love? Do you have, uh, do you, are you visualizing Solomon praying for the temple to be filled? Because Paul in Corinthians, you also told me that don't you know you're the temple now? Like you're the spirit, you're where the spirit of the Lord dwells now. It's not a building anymore, guys. It's us. We're the temple. We're the church. We're where God's presence is. In Acts, we see in Acts, there's believers in the upper room and they're praying. Jesus ascends. And then what happened? Tongues of what? Fire. Are y'all seeing the correlation here? Fire falls. And then they were what? Filled with the Holy Spirit. We're the temple now. God's at work in me and in you to accomplish his, his purpose and his mission on this earth. And Paul's saying, I pray that you would be awakened to the love that's at work with it, that Christ would make his home in your heart through his spirit. I pray that you would be full of the spirit of God. That's, that's what he's praying. Are you, are you seeing the correlation? God, fill this place. And I, I, know that, I, I know that Paul knows the story of Solomon and I can just picture him there saying, man, this is what Solomon did. And I saw how God filled the temple. I saw how God responded. So I'm gonna pray over the believers. I'm gonna pray over this temple, over the new covenant temple. I'm gonna pray that you would fill them and I'm gonna believe you to do it, God. I'm gonna get on my knees and I'm gonna pray you'd fill them. Fill this place, fill this place, fill this place so full of your, I want them to be so full of your power and love. It energizes every action of their lives. And then Paul, he closes the prayer with this in Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. He says, now all glory to God who is able, God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, say within, within us, his, his work within us, within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. I was reading, uh, just in, in my own personal study, in my own personal time, I was re I've been reading through Corinthians nice and slow, just trying to heed everything that I can, just reap everything that I can from it. It's, it's such a good book. And in 2 Corinthians, I, I think a little bit of background for 2 Corinthians, like I wasn't even really planning on using this verse, but I just, as I was reading through Paul's letter and then, and then read this, I go, ah, I just, I, I kind of see where these two connect and but a little bit of background, 2 Corinthians, there are some religious leaders in Corinth who are trying to discredit Paul's ministry. So they're like, nah, basically what they're saying is, they're saying, 
Listen, Paul's loud in his text messages, but in person he's weak. Paul's got a big bark from a distance. Yeah, he writes hard, but he's soft. Yeah, Paul acts hard, but nah, he, he's, he's weak. And it's, and it's almost like, so Paul is writing this letter to almost defend his ministry. And it's like, man, I, I've tried to be gracious. I've tried to be good. Um, but y'all think I'm weak? Okay, let's see how weak I really am. All right, y'all want to call me weak? You think I'm all bark, no bike? All right, let me remind you of what God's done through me and, and that I choose to boast about my weakness. So in the miraculous things you see, you know it's God at work in me, not Paul. But let me just remind you of some of the things God's brought me through. So this is, this is what he says. I, I think this is so good. 2 Corinthians 11, 22 through 27. He, he's, he's speaking to the church of Corinth, but he's talking about the religious leaders who are hating on Paul. Paul's got haters. And he says this, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they descendants of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? That's what he's wondering. He goes, I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder been put in prison more often, been whipped times without number. I faced death again and again. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night in a day adrift at sea. I've traveled on many long journeys. I faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I faced danger from my own people, the Jews, and as well from the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities and the deserts and on the seas. I face danger from men who claim to be believers, but they're not. I've worked so hard and long and during many sleepless nights, I've been hungry and thirsty and I've gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. I've done it. How could you say I'm weak? And, and as I read this, my first thought is, man, I got some work to do, Right? I'm like, man, I'm hesitant to talk to my barber about Jesus sometime, <laughs> right? But, but why? Because I think Paul understood God's love. I think he was so full of God's presence and God's love at work within him. And I think, God had, I think Paul had faith in the fact that God is able to do abundantly more. And, and he had this mindset of, it doesn't matter what you do to me. You can't take my soul. You can do whatever you want to me on the outside. Devil, leaders, whoever, haters, you do whatever you want. But what's inside me is capable of infinitely more than I might even ask or imagine. It's the God at work within me. God is able to do immeasurably, infinitely more than we might ask or imagine. I, I want to read these keys. You can come if, if you wouldn't mind. Ephesians 3, 19 through 21. It says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. You can't understand it, but I want you to understand it. And as you grab hold of it, as you begin to wrap your mind, as, as you begin to be awakened to the love of Christ, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. And then it goes on. So, so that word fullness will be full, will be full. Verse 20, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us, within us, to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. And amen. Sometimes I think, 
Church, we can read Ephesians 3.20 and we think, man, God's extravagant. God's able to do abundantly more than we might ask or imagine. I thought I was going to have a house this big, but he gave me a house this big. And, it's so, and he, I thought I was going to have just a, you know, a, a minivan with holes in it for the, or her 2002 Green Buick Century with a broken window. I thought I was going to drive that forever, but he gave me a, you know, it's like, and we think, and, and we think God's going to do these things. And I, listen. I think that's true, and I think that's in context, and I think God is. Come on, if God's done more in your life, if God's done more than you ever thought you could, provided for you more than you ever thought you could, raise your hand. I know he has for me and Abigail. I know he's been good. I know he's done abundantly more than I could ever ask or imagine. I remember being a teenager thinking, how am I going to have a wife and kids and be able to provide? And like, I, I can't even, like, I can't even finish my homework. Like, and he's done some things in me, church. But I, but I wonder if this Ephesians 3.20 isn't so much about the exterior as much as it is what he's able to accomplish within us, within us. Because think, even all those things, they don't give us joy. All those things, they, they don't give us peace. They, they don't enhance our purpose. And a lot of times when we're chasing those things and desire those things, we're trying to fulfill something on the inside, right? But I think maybe as I read this, maybe the miracle is what happens on the inside. It's a love that completes us, y'all. It's a love that illuminates and energizes our very being to live out a life of purpose, and fulfillment. It, it, it happens us to live a life we couldn't ask of or dream of. Something I love, and, and I talked a little bit about this at the beginning, but you'll notice when, when Solomon said his prayer to fill the temple, now the priests were, you know, the ones who carried out the religious law and all that. But it says that the glory of the Lord was so thick in the temple, the temple was so full of God's presence that the priests couldn't get in. And to me, you know, whatever, maybe I'm taking this a little out of context, but this is kind of the way I interpreted it. Those priests, they, they represent the rules and the regulations and, and here's what you got to do and, and the performance side. But, it, but, but there's something about the temple being so full, they were awakened to his love. Why does Paul spend chapters one, two, and three on God's love, on what we receive in God? He hasn't told us not, not a single command, not, a sing, not, a, not about obedience, not about our practical godly living. I just want you to know what you've received in God, how good he is, his love that fills you up, that makes you whole. He's done more than you could ask or imagine. You don't even understand. You can't wrap your mind around how good God is and what he's done for you. He, he spends three chapters on that before he ever gets to the rules. He wanted us to understand the relationship. And I see the reason the priest can't get in because it wasn't about the rules. It was about God's love in his presence. It's about being so full of God, his spirit at work within us, so full of his love that I just begin to live this out with joy. It's not about the rules, y'all. It's not about legalism. It's about love. It's not about rules, it's about relationship, amen? I, I love how Paul prays on his knees. God, I want you to fill the believers in Ephesus with your love. Make your home in their hearts. 
Come on, let, let, their, let them grow deep roots. Let your love be their foundation. Let your love be everything they base their careers and relationships on. Let your love be where their thoughts about themselves come from. Let your love be where their purpose and significance is found. Come on, let our lives be built on your love. God, my prayer over, over this house is that we would be awakened to your love. Help us to know how great your love is even though we can't understand it. How, how, help us to grasp, even though we can't grasp how wide, how long, how high, and how deep it really is. Now, I'm excited. I'm excited to move in to chapters four, five, and six because I want to know how to respond to this love. I want to know how to live out this faith. I want to know how to live a life that's going to bring honor and glory to him because if I live a life that brings people to me, I can't help y'all, but he can help you. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can check out the link in the description to give or visit destinychurch.me give. Don't forget to subscribe and share with your friends. We love you and have a blessed week.